History Under Pressure, innovation in its finest hour. This is the Oil & Gas Technology Podcast, where sharp minds reveal the brilliance and sheer determination turning great ideas into new realities. Hear about how it happens in real life with your host, Michael O'Sullivan. The views of the host are expressly his own and should not be construed as the views of any other corporation, consortium, governing body, or interplanetary federation. Hey everyone, welcome back to another breathtaking episode of the Oil & Gas Tech Podcast, brought to you by our good friends at uh, Cognite. This episode and all the episodes on the show are brought to you by Cognite, right here on the Oil & Gas Global Network, and we do love our sponsors at OGGM, because without them, there is no us, and that is really true. So, uh, in the interest of loving our sponsors, here is a little message from our friends at Cognite. This is what they want you to know about them. Imagine your company fully digitalized, transformed, and sustainable. Cognite helps you make a data do more for faster, safer, more sustainable industrial operations. You can learn more. Of course, you can go to Cognite.com, but uh, they also have this cool new site that they just launched. Uh, if, you, if you noticed in that little bit I just read there, it says help you make data do more. That's their big uh, push right now. And they got a website called make data do more.cognite.com. So check that out. They are, um, they are really at the edge of doing some cool stuff. I do have a fantastic guest today and we're going to talk about fun stuff. Uh, I think we're going to talk about drones and robots and things of that nature. But first I do have to do my, uh, traditional begging for reviews. Uh, I don't really have any like like funny ways to do that today. So I'm just going to say, please, please, when you get a second, or even if you don't have a second, go to the little thing on your podcast platform and uh, and and leave us leave us a review for this show or any of the OGGN shows, um, because it really does help us understand who our audience is and what you're looking for. And it helps us make, uh, it's the only way that we know, by the way, we, you know, you can listen to podcasts anonymously, so we don't know who you are. But we'd like to know what you think. So uh, put that in a review. And speaking of other OGGN shows, there is a brand new one that just launched. Um, It is called Oil & Gas Digital Doers, um, which is also hosted by yours truly. And uh, so if you like this show, the tech show, then you need to check out the Digital Doers uh, podcast because in that one, we're not focusing. We are. We're talking about digital, um, but instead of like in this show, we really look closely at the technology and how it's impacting the industry. Um, in digital doers, we're getting stories and insights and guidance from people in the industry who are making real progress in their uh, digital transformation initiatives. So, um, so it's kind of an answer back to the critics who who sometimes say that oil and gas is not making enough progress. And digital transformation. Well, we are making progress, and uh, the 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 show Digital Doers is is here to prove it. So we've already launched it. There's there's five or six episodes out there. Um, you can find it right in the same place where you find this one. So check that out, and when you do, leave a review so we know what you think about it. That is uh, that's enough of my preamble. I'm gonna uh, we're gonna get to the guest I have with me today, Mr. Kevin O'Donovan, who is joining us from the sunny and windy south of France. Kevin, thank you for making time. Michael, great to be here and great to talk to you again. We were just talking about uh, the weather. We, we always start. We always got to start out comparing the weather in Houston to. To, and you're so where in the south of France are you exactly? So we're based just outside Nice, um, down on the south 
east of France, uh, so about 10 kilometers, about eight miles back from the, the, the Mediterranean Sea. But yeah, today is nice and sunny, but quite windy. And but we had a lot of rain for the last couple of windy, days. So. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Well, you got you need that wind to dry it up a little bit. So we're, um, yeah, we were. I, I was saying we're 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 edging closer to summer here in Houston. So no more uh, no more major freezeouts like we had like we had a couple of months ago. So um, um, Kevin is. Uh, I'm gonna do a little bit. So here's what I know about you, uh, uh, Kevin. Is I know that you are a, a technology evangelist. I know you have a company that has kind of a fun name. I'm going to leave that for you. Um, uh, also, I noticed that you, like you've started a club on Clubhouse, so uh, so that's pretty cool. And and you mentioned to me recently some sort of advisory mentor uh, thing you're doing for tech startups, which uh, sounds um, well. I have a lot of different thoughts about what how that sounds, but um, but what else? Tell so tell us about yourself. Right. So what do I do? So I'm an I'm Irish guy and obviously living in France for the last 20 years. But my background, I'm an electronic engineer and my background has been in enterprise IT sales. And that was that's going back almost part of nearly 30 years now. Uh, I started out with Compaq, then right. HP. Uh, and most recently, well, three years ago, I finished up with Intel. And at Intel, I I was doing a lot around Intel's strategic marketing in Europe. We're kind of looking at the next big thing. This is back in kind of 2000 and whatever, five, six. And cut a long story short, one of the new business areas we were looking at was the energy industry. And we were looking at, you know, at the time, Internet of Things and autonomous and augmented reality and drones and whatever. Most of these things didn't exist, but we had an embedded business. And we were kind of looking at the way industries were changing and cloud and and, and that. So cut a long story short, I ended up um, setting up Intel's uh, sales and marketing into the energy sector with a bunch of other people worldwide. So I, I, re- I ran our sales teams and working with the likes of the, the big oil and gas majors, the utilities and everything in between. And I suppose throughout my career, I've been looking at new technologies uh, right down through, you know, I started out on OS2, so that'll tell you how old I am uh, way back. And I've always been looking at new technologies. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a story about how old I am in a second, but go ahead. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll um, come back to that. <laughs> so the whole technology evangelist thing is that I've always been talking about the new technologies and the implications of them, good and bad. And when I finished sure. up with Intel, I set up my own company. And now I spend my time, my day job is I advise and consult with companies, big and small, primarily in the energy industry, around the implications of new technologies, um, how it's going to impact their sales, go to marketing plans. And I I also do quite a lot around, um, I suppose, telling their story. So, you know, evangelizing on how technologies are helping us, not, not a hindrance. Right, right. Cool. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like fun. Um, and you're and and you've got this company um, named a a bit of this and that. Is that is Co- that, did I get that right? I Correct. Just, I um, so I set up my company when I uh, finished up with Intel here in in France, and I was looking for a name. And someone asked me, "Well, what do you do?" And I was like, "A bit of this and that." And uh, I actually yeah, checked that legally, <laughs> that name was allowed in France, which it was. So yeah, yeah. my company name is a bit of this and that. Right. <laughs> It's fantastic. So I was going to say, yeah, just slap a PLC on the end of that and you're, or whatever, I guess it's different in, in, in France, right? Yeah, we, uh, we have uh, an S- company. S- SASU here. 
Yes, yes, yes. Okay, very fun. So, um, and uh, uh, yeah, it's it's great. And by the way, um, I meant to I meant to say something about how um, you know we both have we probably both have this similar difficulty in life where this O apostrophe at the beginning of our names, right? I don't know about you, but it's like ever since like the internet was created and we started doing stuff, or even really just you know ever since everything is in a computer. Um, like it's always it, like, no, it's never right. Whether I'm like getting like new tires on my car, or I'm trying to check into a hotel, like they can never, it's, it's always, sometimes the O is my middle initial and then there's a space and sometimes, you know, the apostrophe is not there and then they don't know how to say it because there's two weird consonants together at the beginning. Do you have this, you know what I'm talking about? Do you have the same trouble or is it, or is it better in Europe where they understand these things better? A lot of it is the same. And certainly in, <laughs> as you say, you know, the internet wasn't around when I started out. We were using things like Banyan Mail and stuff way back then and bulletin boards. But the the apostrophe is actually in the, the ANSI script for computing languages. But as you say, a lot of people kind of can't figure out how Correct. to do it. So I stopped using my apostrophe. Yeah, yeah. So you'll be registering for an event or registering for an account or banks or whatever. And, and the exactly. apostrophe used to freak them out. You get errors or websites that just crash or... You get the funny, you get 16 yeah, yeah, different yeah. characters. <laughs> oh, the joys of international lights start flashing at random intervals, right? Yeah, it, usually what happens to me is I enter my name and it says, please enter a valid last name. And I'm thinking, well, I have. Like that is, I have entered a valid last name, but apparently it's not. So anyway, <laughs> it's, it is, someday they'll get that fixed. It might not be in our lifetime, but someday, someday that will not be. A, so, some, some days okay. it's better than others, so, but yeah, uh, look. <laughs> For sure. For sure. All right. So enough fooling around. Let's get to this business of, um, I know we, we want to talk about, um, autonomous, autonomous things, drones, robots. I think we're going to cover a few different topics, but let's, let's start with, I know this is a hot, I know this is a, 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 a big interest for you and, and you're doing a lot in this, in this area. And actually we haven't talked about this too much on the show lately. So this will be good. Let's start with kind of a little bit of, um, uh, kind of looking at the overall landscape of what's happening with um, autonomous stuff in oil and gas. And maybe just for fun, maybe a little bit of like kind of where, where does it come from? Because this stuff isn't completely brand new in the industry. We didn't just start on this in the last two years. So how do you, like when you look out at the world of, of autonomous uh, operations in oil and gas and energy, what do you, uh, what, are, what are the things that come, that come to mind and what do you think the most about? So it's fascinating in the past, probably, let's say, five, 10 years, you know, drones, robots, autonomous have suddenly, you know, I've, some people might be, might believe that they just got invented, these technologies, these things about sure. five years ago. It's like sure. the internet of things, right. right? Before we used to call it the embedded business, but whatever, different worlds. Yeah. Cut a long story short. So yeah, so <laughs> we, right. we think of drones, we think of things that are flying around. So, oh, cool, we can do inspections. And robots. And right. I think we're here recording this. The, um, the 4th of May was just passed. So Star Wars. And some people think of robots <laughs> and they think of CP3O and R2D2. And yet... Yes, yes. I, for sure. That's what I think of, yeah. But yet robots... If you look at ro robots are something that does some piece of work 
Now, whether they're doing it autonomously or whether they're doing it with some human kind of controlling them, but the a piece of machinery, for want of a better word, is doing the work. That kind of technology has been around for years. And like in the oil and gas industry, you know, we've all seen the movies and the the, the tough work that the, the roughnecks did in terms of drilling wells uh, and stuff. It's back in the 70s sure. that people started going, how can we use machines to do some of this stuff? You know, this stuff is dangerous and, and hard work. So you've had yeah, yeah. robots of one shape or form. Now, they don't look anything like CP3O, but they're industrial robots that grab pipes and stick them in the next section of the pipe uh, at, a, at a, a wellhead or whatever. And, you know, if you look at welding, right. there's a lot of welding type machines that, weld pipes together now and all you do is you kind of just fit them on and press a button and it whips around the pipe so that's a robot so to think that we haven't been the oil and gas or the energy industry as a whole haven't been using robots and um, drone type things that walk around crawl around swim around for the last 20 30 years is is false now granted the technology has advanced dramatically but at the same time sure the first time I came across drones when I was back in Intel was with a, a major oil and gas company about 12 years ago. It said to me, what are you doing with drones? And I was kind of going, what's a drone? So, you know, oil and gas companies right. have always been right. looking at new technologies, right? They, they, they're not that behind. Sure. Yeah. I used to, it wasn't that long ago that when we said drone, what we really meant was that one person in the meeting who always, you know, talks for, for too long and drone, <laughs> drones on. But, but now, now it has a different, uh, yeah. Well, now it has a different connotation. So, I, go ahead. If I may, Michael, you know. So we say we say drones and robots, right? But if you look back in the industry, people were talking about. So, so drones officially, a lot of people will talk about an unmanned aerial vehicle, right? So that could be uh, like the, the right. fixed wing drone that we think about. It could be a long distance fixed wing plane, for want of a better word, but it's right. autonomous. And they are coming all shapes and sizes. You've had um, remote operated vehicles, ROVs, in being used yep. in the sea in offshore. Uh, um, probably just say platforms of for decades, right? Um, so an ROV is kind of a robot. They've now have kind of evolved into an a, an AUV, an autonomous undersea vehicle, so our underwater vehicle. Yep. So think think drone that flies around, but this thing swims around. Um, we talk yep, yep. about um, robots. Well, if you look at a lot of, if you look at Amazon today, most of their warehouses have the boxes moving around on robots. Some large energy companies yep. are using that technology in warehouses, right? Because they have a lot of spare parts moving around. You, you know, we talk about a lot of um, people doing pipeline checks, checking boilers, checking uh, tanks and tankers. There's there's things that crawl around and 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 kind of what do we call it through pipes and stuff. There's like ball shaped things. They're all they're all robots. And obviously we get into the autonomous vehicles. Well, if you've looked at the latest Caterpillar um, equipment catalog, like they have graders. They're huge trucks. They're these massive whatever earth ore movers. They're all a lot of them can be autonomous, right? So incredible yeah, advances yeah. in technology, and you get into you know people using exoskeletons and low Earth orbit satellites and whatever. Now are they right, a robot right. or are they a what? But you know, it means many things to many people, 
Um, and the the advances in this stuff has been fascinating. Yeah, it's, so I think uh, the one thing that I, I uh, kind of bubbles to the top of my brain listening to you like go across all that, all those different uh, uh, examples is uh, so for the folks who might still be you know skeptical or concerned about you know the about robots. Uh, well, we can't let robots come in because they're going to take over you know, for people and all that, like, guess what? It's too late. <laughs> they're, they're already here and we're already, we're already using them effectively, uh, in many part, many parts of the business. So, um, so I, so I say it's too late tongue in cheek because in fact, um, it is, I mean, if, if I'm listening to you, uh, we're, it sounds like we're doing a pretty good job of using these technologies to, um, to improve the way, uh, the industry works and not necessarily just run off a bunch of people, but we're making things safer and, and, and more efficient and economical and things like that. I mean, is that a fair, is that a fair statement? It is. And, you know, if you look at, let's say drones or robots or whatever you want to call them, uh, depending on what it is, depending on the company, depending on the use case, depending on your geographic location, many of these, let's say, technologies are brought in because they improve safety. You don't want to put people in harm's way. You know, doing some of these inspections mean people crawling up and down or hanging off the underside of, of yeah, oil yeah. rigs and stuff in pretty right, nasty right. places, right? Um I, I personally wouldn't fancy crawling inside a, a boiler in a power plant or in big oil tankers or whatever to check if the oil tank right, is right. okay, right? I'd, I'd rather sit outside and send something in with a camera. And obviously, there's a lot of things <laughs> sure. then around simply in, in oil and gas in a refinery, you have to inspect your flare stack. And the traditional way was you'd shut down that flare stack. So that shut down that piece of the refinery, had to let it cool down. And then you send right. guys up to climb right. up it and have a look. So now you can do some of that stuff from the outside with a robot, with a with a drone, do it in, take all the the pictures, the inspection, and you don't have to shut down the flare stack. So the, the cost savings for some of this stuff, or sending something down a pipeline or whatever, are, are are just huge. So people will say, okay, it's it's going to cost us to. It's not just buying the drone or the the, the robot, right? So I have to. Sometimes change my business processes, so I have to be able to have people that can use the drone, so I have pilot or whatever you call it. I didn't need experts to be right. able to interpret the data, but I also need to be able to automate how I interpret that data because I suppose the biggest challenge when I started working with oil and gas and utilities and whatever with drones was, okay, so we've figured out how to fly a drone around the flare stack on the exact same flight path once a month. Great. We've taken 40,000 photographs each time. We now have 180,000 <laughs> photographs. Now, what do I do with them? <laughs> um, now, what do we do with them? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, do, do you want to sit down with a cup of coffee uh, and kind of look, compare them all? So so that's where you need software. And that's where AI, and again, AI means lots of things. But that's where the software and the cloud and all that comes into it. And then ideally, yeah. what it will detect differences. And there's lots of companies out there. Uh, Inspection Squared, Cyberhawk, you know, you name it. There's companies out there with their own um, inspection software. A lot of the big oil and gas companies would have their own. So they'll they'll take all that data that's captured. They'll try and make sense out of it. And then that turns into work orders. Um, so so it, it's a piece of the puzzle. Yeah, you know, yeah. just because you have a drone doesn't mean you're done. Yeah, but yeah. It's, it's, it's a piece of the puzzle. Yeah, and and it, and and it's yeah. So and I, I want to come back to some of that uh, some of that stuff about data 
and whatnot. Um, but you know, to shut down a, a part of a refinery is a tremendous uh, cost. I mean, it's you know, you're talking large <laughs> dollars. Um, if you can do that, um, if you can do that uh, in some sort of if you, if you can if you can do the inspection without shutting it down. Um, well, that's a lot of money that you can use to uh, pay people potentially to do more uh, interesting, safer things, right? So, um, so there's kind of a shift in the economics. But, um, but let's before, before, but before we get into some of some of that, uh, so I want to talk about some of that a little bit more. But before we do that, let's um, um, let's because this is a fun subject. So let's dive into a couple of maybe one or two. Like really interesting examples. Like what's what's some of the really cool stuff that you see? Um, and and uh, you, you mentioned something about exoskeletons before, which sounds really sci-fi to me. So let, let's talk about that one first. Like what's what what's that all about in the industry right now? So again, exoskeletons are not something new, and you'll find some that are passive and some that are now being what they call powered. So think like hydraulic assisted lift skeleton. The best example right, I know of these right. um, is uh, Sarkos Robotics. Uh, they have uh, the Guardian XO. So if, if whatever, we can put it in the show notes or whatever, but I, I have seen them at a bunch of different trade shows over the years. They were actually at CES when CES happened face-to-face -face, uh, back in 2019. Now, they were, they were there at the time sure. with Delta Airlines, but if, if you've ever seen the movie Aliens and they're loading up the ships on the um, in the spaceship, the dropships in the spaceship, uh, Sigourney Weaver's going around inside in a, basically a walking forklift, for want of a better word. Um, yeah, sure. I, yeah, I remember. Yeah, right, right. Now, it's not So that's quite, real is what you're saying. Delta Airlines were trying this out and they had people on stage using them, changing tires on planes. I know of a number of oil companies who are using them for heavy lift in certain environments. Now, not every worker is going to need one of these, um, but it, just the kind of the, the concept of some of this in terms of lifting some of the heavy gear pipes, you know, some of the stuff in oil and gas in, in many industries, it's heavy kit, right? Um, so yeah, imagine having right, something right. like that for safety, for back injuries, you name it. So, and again, it's not that they'll be selling 10 million of them tomorrow morning, but in terms of how sci-fi comes into kind of practical use cases, um, that's something out there. And there are other companies with, with exoskeletons. If you're standing up for a long time, simply because of your, your job, doing certain things, there's exoskeletons you can get now that will help like support your back. So it's like kind of like having a standing stool kind of thing that kind of, you know, it's part you're wearing sure. it, but it kind of, yeah, yeah. it supports you. So for backache, bending over, but it, the powered one right. from um, Sarkos, that's, that's a fascinating piece of kit. <laughs> it does. This does add a whole new dimension to the idea of wearable technology, right? I mean, Agreed. you know, I, I thought the watch was cool, but, but this takes it to a whole nother level. So, so that, so that's cool. What else, um, um, what else are we seeing? Uh, I know that I've been seeing a lot of headlines lately about some major operators, uh, you know, rolling out, I think it was, didn't, it wasn't Equinor that announced some sort of fully automated or largely automated offshore platform. I mean, what is it, what does that look like? What does it take? What, what, what do they mean when they say that? Do they mean there's no people walking around and everything is like literally autonomous? Yes. 
Um, this was something that came out. <laughs> Equinor with ABB and a bunch of other partners announced it, I think, last week uh, on, I think, it was World Safety Day. So there, there are people looking at putting uh, an offshore platform for where oil and gas and stuff is coming back in. They're, they're making it fully automated. And to be quite honest, this is quite doable. And what I mean by that is obviously, let's say it's easier to do it if you design from starting today, right? Rather than retrofitting something that may have a lot of non-analog sure. pieces. But if you're building something new today, right. you can you can pretty much design. It's, it's basically industrial IoT, right? It's just doing it, let's say, yeah, properly. Yeah. So you, you obviously have a lot of things that there's sensors and data and whether you're doing it out of the edge or doing the back in the cloud or the data center. So you, you start getting into that, but depending on the way you've designed it, the way you've built it, you can instead, if you want to go have a look around, obviously you can have things like um, you put in cameras everywhere. So a guy thousand miles away can kind of just, you know, Right, sure. Like, have, a, have a look at what's going on. But you can also have like a, a, a robot that crawls around, walks around with a camera on it. So, you know, you see what it sees. So you direct it to wherever you want to go and say, what well, you know, what's going on over here? And you have noise, sound, vibration. Because a lot of things when you say autonomous, people say, yeah, but, you know, the, the human expertise. Someone, I know people in oil and gas industry and utilities, whatever, they'll walk in somewhere and, and whether they smell it or something, they go, something's wrong. Right. And right, a lot of that sure. technology is kind of being, okay, so sensors, as I say, there are air detection sensors, there's noise, vibration. Um, so if they detect something out of whack, then they'll raise an alert. And now you may still need yeah. to send someone out to fix something, but primarily it's an unmanned operation. And like in, in the utility industry, there's a lot of power stations around the world that are basically, you know, they they run unmanned from a control center a couple of you know hundred miles away. So yeah, 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 sure. I, I think you're getting into something um, actually that is is maybe uh, helpful to differentiate, which is um, we 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 use these words interchangeably or maybe in the wrong place sometimes. But you know the difference between um, you know autonomous, automated and um remote operated right because because when i think of something if i think of the word autonomous really in its own sense i think of something that isn't just automated or it like it knows what to do and changes and responds based on whatever you know cr criteria are coming in like that's autonomous is like it doesn't need help um Whereas automated could be something that is just automated, um, you know, something that based on a set of on a particular formula, we've we've programmed this thing to work by itself, but it's not smart in a sense, right? And then you know what you're describing as far as having a person on a camera or people in other, I mean, that's it's remote operated, so there's not a human present, but there's still humans involved. So is that? Uh, I mean, how do how do you? Uh, and all it sounds like all of these things are all sort of in the soup. Right in in terms of how all this stuff comes together, how do you uh, how do you how do you sort that out or th or think about it when you're looking at these various technologies? So so it's 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 a good starting point, but I, I'd probably add something in as well. So so agreed. So let's say I have um, something that's remotely operated. So I have something. I have a piece of. I have a gadget. Uh, whether it walks, crawls, swims, flies, whatever. I can right right. 
I can I can direct it from remote. So I'm remotely operating it. So you then get into the thing, well, right. how how much rum how much operating do you have to do? Do you have to make it move its legs one after another? Do you have to figure out how it flies? Do you have to figure out that it doesn't crash into something? So let's say I start putting in software yeah. that, okay, I, I just tell it go over there and it'll I, I don't have to tell it how to walk. It does that itself. So that's it's kind of automated in walking. It may have some collision detection systems like autonomous cars in them that I don't bang into things. So I, as the operator, so in some sure, ways, sure. All, all I have to do is kind of point it in a direction. Once it gets there, I go, okay, what am I looking at? And it may have thermal cameras and blah, 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 blah. And it goes, well, I don't have to look for everything. It kind of flags back to me to say, hey, I've seen this. I think you need to look at this more closely because I do want human oversight to kind of tell me. So cut long story yep, short, yep. yeah, there's, you could have an entire debate and, and whenever we meet up in the real <laughs> sure. world over a beer, you know, remote operated, um, uh, automated as in just do this and do it the exact same way every time. And it's, it's just kind of, it's just programmed to do it. And if anything weird goes on, it doesn't know what to do. So it just stops. Autonomous. Yeah. 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 Autonomous to me would be. Okay, and you can buy these things today, right? So you can buy a drone in a box. So think of a small container. Drone flies into the container. It gets wirelessly charged inside in the container. And every 24 hours, the box open, the drone flies up, and it flies around a certain piece of infrastructure. And it flies in the exact same flight path. It takes the exact same photos, the same LIDAR, same... Um, infrared readings at the exact same angle, place, blah, 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 comes back down into the box, lands, uploads all the data to the whatever back end in the sky and uh, recharges. So that's autonomous. But it's still doing what it's been told to do. I suppose that the, the next step, which is out there, is that it also learns to do new things itself. And that's where we get into the whole yeah. real concept of yeah. it's autonomous and sure. it's got AI. And and then AI right. means different things, but that's learning. like deep neural network learning. Yeah, yeah. That's um, a whole other episode. We're not, we're, yeah, <laughs> yeah, another, yeah, we're not there yet. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so actually, you, you you opened up a couple of interesting things there, which is that um, something could be uh, remote operated in the sense that I, as a human, am directing it to its whatever overall objective I want it to accomplish, go over here and do that thing. But along the way, it has certain autonomous capabilities that allow it to like, not like you said, not crash into something or find the most expedient way to, to do the thing that I've asked it to do. And so if you take that one simple kind of little use case and you expand it out over something as big and complex as an offshore platform, we have a whole lot of different. Um, we, we we have uh, it becomes very interesting, right? It, it it's a uh, it, it's uh, there's all kinds of things happening there. I, I can imagine to make Correct. all of that effect effectively be unmanned, right? It doesn't mean that humans aren't involved, but but there's uh, yeah, I can like like your brain starts spinning when you think about all the different ways that those different capabilities could be applied. And, and if I may, Mike, what, or Michael, what I, what I see with a, a bunch of companies is they're saying, okay, so we'll have this 
Maybe it's, um, you know, if you look at Europe and we have huge plans for a massive amount of floating offshore wind and the US and other parts of the world, a lot of the technologies for doing that is coming from the oil and gas industry, floating things, undersea cables, piping, cabling, hydrogen, you name it. So a lot of the same skill sets, a lot of the same technologies. So you say, okay, we'll have something out there that will do a daily scan of the undersea infrastructure for that massive wind farm and if it detects any anomaly it'll flag that something that's changed and then the next time out there's a the 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 undersea vehicle or whatever you'd call it is a let's say a a a human is involved and it flies to where it found the thing and then the human takes over and goes okay i need to look at this from a different angle there's something weird going on here so so that's where the kind of the two come together but you yeah, can imagine yeah. the cost savings instead of sending someone out in a boat or a helicopter. If it's a couple of thousand meters down, how the hell do I get there safely? You know, some of this stuff could take weeks to, to sure. set up as opposed right, to, right. Yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah, it does. It does. Uh, it does start to kind of take on a feel of, uh, you know, some classic um, space movies where you see people out there and there's no way that they could just as as. I mean, they they have they have to perform all sorts of operations inside, outside. I mean, just you know, imagine whatever movie you want to imagine. People out there doing stuff. Um, this is like these types of uh, operations. You know, I guess have been. I, I guess I guess as usual, sci-fi um, sci-fi le- leads the way to ultimate ultimate reality. But it's it'd be neat to um, um, you know it, it it'd be cool if some of the people who are who are um, and maybe they are doing this, but who are designing and deploying these massive, like these automated offshore platforms or any other large scale application of these capabilities. Um, you know, like that would be some good stuff to put on YouTube or to create some videos and show how all of that works. Um, that, that would be, uh, maybe, maybe I can get somebody to do a, po- a video podcast episode with. Yeah, no, and, and then there are, there are, is, is there stuff out there, there where we can stuff. see it? That there are yeah, companies yeah, out there that doing this be, stuff. Yes. You know? And, Maybe you know, we'll put some of that in the show notes for this episode, Michael. What? So, so one quick one, and you know, I, again, back to kind of the the legacy. If you took someone that was working in, let's say, in Texas in oil and gas back in the the fifties and sixties and seventies, and you took them to a modern fracking rig today, would they think that's sci-fi? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They probably they probably would, especially yeah, especially if you went to one where where. Uh, um, you know, I mean, the, the automation capabilities that we have now on some of the the completions and production systems and the unconventionals is amazing, right? So, the, so imagine imagine what this is going to look like in another twenty years, right? It, it, so, yeah, we say sci-fi, yeah, but yeah, you bring some of the folks back from the the seventies to, hey, this is what we do today, they'd be like, wow. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. I also I want to mention I want to call attention to one little comment that you made uh, in the last bit, which is. As you look at offshore and wind, uh, floating offshore winds, et cetera, some of these other things, it's it, it's it's the same sorts of stuff and and skills that we have in oil and gas. It's funny how often that happens. It turns out that the same people who figured out how to solve these all these things necessary to powering the world, um, you know. Uh, are probably the right people to figure out how to do it with other forms of energy. It's not, you know, it's 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 the same skill set. And I always love to see how how uh, we um, 
Um, cause you know, obviously oil and gas, some, not everybody out there is a fan of our industry. And, um, and it's, I always love to see how the stuff that we know how to do here, uh, turns out to be useful <laughs> in other scenarios. So it's, it's always good to hear that. Um, so what, uh, um, let's, uh, I'm looking at the time here. We probably need to wrap up in a bit, but you did just really quickly, um, you, you did mention early on here, you said something about satellites and that's not something that I usually think of when I think of robots. So how does, how does satellites factor into this whole thing? So again, there's been huge advances in, um, satellite technology and, and, you know, whether you'd call them, they're a robot or a unmanned aerial vehicle or whatever, but you know, unmanned aerial vehicle is, is probably right. Granted they are at, up in the sky. And I suppose many of us would think back to the, the days of NASA and the European Space Agency putting up satellites for Hubble's telescope and all this kind of stuff. But what you'll have seen over the past, certainly in the last four or five years, the European Space Agency, NASA and others have been putting up satellites that do a lot more in terms of detecting things like um, CO2, uh, methane, different gases, vegetation use, and, and, and. But there's a whole range of private companies, companies like uh, Planet, um, GHGSAT. You know, you'll see all the stuff with Elon Musk, and, and, and. Some are talking about right, broadband right. for the world. But if you look at GHGSAT, if you look at Planet, you know, Planet have a constellation. They put up another 40-something satellites with SpaceX, I think, January. So they're now mapping mm -hmm. the entire Earth every 24 hours, the entire Earth at a resolution of about three meters by three meters for, um, uh, per pixel. So long story short, they wouldn't detect you and me or a number plate or whatever like that, but they'll detect vegetation, they'll detect methane, they'll detect CO2, and not just from oil and gas, like from any industry, landfill, you name it. So the, the amount right, of right, data... Right. And, and oversight that's coming at us. And, and they are, you can call them robots or UAVs or whatever, but they're playing a bigger role. And people start talking about digital twins and where do I get the data from? There's going to be a lot more sources of data um, than we ever had before. And, and um, it, it's just, it's another piece of the puzzle, I think. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, so, and that actually comes back around to, something that you mentioned early on, and maybe we can touch on this briefly here before we wrap up, but, um, you know, like, <laughs> and, and this is particularly important in the current economic climate for this industry, right? Uh, the, the pressure on the economics and the, um, um, and, and, and all of the, uh, the transition and whatnot. So there's this whole, uh, thing about, uh, I guess what I would call like passing, the so what test, right? So you mentioned, great, now we've got this really cool thing and it goes out there and it does a million things that we could never do. What do we do with that? Um, what do we do with the data? What do we do with those 40,000 photos? Um, how, and so I, I have to imagine that as companies um, in, in energy or any industry, as, the, as they're looking at all of these cool, great, fantastic new things that you could be doing, how do you how do you figure out like what is um, where's the value right? How do you get past the like so what? Um, how do you prioritize what's really going to have an impact uh, on the industry? What do you, what are you seeing people do in that regard? And and that is the biggest challenge, you know, buying the drone, buying the gadget, 
training up the pilots or hiring in a service company, whatever, in many ways, that is the easy bit. Uh, to your point is that, well, why am I doing sure. it in the first place, right? Unless you have an innovation team somewhere that's just, you know, let's just buy one and we'll figure out what it does. Uh, and, and that... Yeah, not too many of those left. No, right. Yeah, no, a lot of them have gone away. Yeah. Um, but you're back to, okay, yeah. we, we have a problem we've had certain safety issues. So we've been sending people into nasty places. Can we, we have a problem with the insurance company and, and obviously with our employees. So we need to, can we use something to, to reduce the risk? That's a thing. Um, certainly you mentioned the thing around flare stacks. There are many other, you know, if I'm operating a pipeline today, I probably don't want to take the risk that there's a, um, a fugitive methane list, risk, uh, methane leak that I'm now, aware of because you know that's right. going to come back and right. bump me so i might need to spend the right. money sure. to go do that um and 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 right so that there's a, there has to be a business model behind it the hard piece is that again i go off and buy the drone i get or i get the data from the the, the satellites and, and that's expensive right you have to buy that data so i get the data and then it's now what do i do with it so do i have someone sit down and kind of look at remember, a cup of coffee and look at the the two reports from the last week and try and figure it out I need to have I need to have software to to automate that because I have gigabytes, terabytes, petabytes of data. So there's a bunch of companies working on various yeah. what you're looking for. So you need to you need to get the software to to be able to analyze it. Then when they come back with a report, and the report could be, you know, in the old days it was a PDF, right? And you're like, what the hell do I do with this now? So then you say, okay, well now I need to automate that into sure. my my Maximo, right. my SAP, my job system. It's business process yep. change. Yep. That's hard, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. So, so that that's, that's where the rubber um, hits the road, it, <clears throat> right? So now we're so now we're kind of dovetailing right back into everything else that we talk about in the way of digital transformation and understanding what problem you're solving and understanding what you're gonna in and and there's there's good um, there. There are ways. In fact, that's a perfect that's a perfect plug for my Digital Doers podcast because that's where we talk a lot more about how do you actually go be successful and, and get value from these. You know, the whole concept of return on investment implies that you're going to get a return on your investment. So, um, how do you do that? So, so that that's um, this is fascinating stuff. I really appreciate uh, Kevin. I appreciate you making time today. I think we're going to wrap it up. However. Um, for people who want to learn more about um, about you and the stuff that you're doing, your company, or um, or more about uh, about all this stuff, what uh, and 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 we'll put it in the, all this in the show notes. So don't anybody feel like you got to grab a pencil. But but what do we? Uh, what, what, where do you want to tell people to look? So the, the easiest place for for certainly this audience would probably be LinkedIn. Uh, so just. I, I post a lot of stuff on LinkedIn right. on the cool stuff that I find interesting and what we're doing on Clubhouse and whatever. Okay, because a lot cool. of stuff I do yeah. is just making people aware of whatever. And then on my business, uh, I Kevin right. O'Donovan, uh, uh, Kevin Dash O'Donovan dot com, um, and that that's where I that's where I do my real work. Yeah, that's without the apostrophe, right? That Kevin correct. <laughs> <laughs> no, no apostrophes in in uh, domain names okay great so uh kevin thanks again and i uh, really appreciate uh i know it's a little bit it's getting a little bit late in the day there in the south of france but uh but i appreciate you making time and uh maybe we'll maybe we'll do another episode later in the year or something and find out uh what what, what are the latest things and and uh just kind of it's an interesting part of the industry to uh, to to keep up with and just keep a pulse and see what people are doing so anyway kevin o'donovan thanks very much 
Thanks, Michael. So let me let me just mention a few more things uh, before we wrap up here. I'm going to make a quick, uh, as always, thanks to our sponsor, Cognite. They are doing some, you know, we talked about a lot of industrial applications today. Cognite's right there in the middle of the industrial data space, and they're doing some cool stuff. So check them out, Cognite.com. Also, I want to mention the OGGN Street Team, which, uh, you know, maybe you haven't heard of the Street Team, and the only reason, and I can't imagine why you wouldn't have heard of the Street Team, but uh, if you haven't, you need to check it out on LinkedIn. Um, it's a group of people that uh, does a lot of fun stuff, and um, they do good things for the industry, and, and uh, you know, it just kind of gets you out from behind the never-ending Zoom calls. And that is being led by uh, Mr. Brian Mahn, M-A-H-N. So look for him on LinkedIn and look for the the street team um, LinkedIn group. Also, of course, you can always connect with OGGN in all the usual spots, uh, particularly you can uh, if you don't know where to start, start with our website, OGGN.com. That'll get you to everything that you need to know. And uh, we do have a lot of great things going on. We've got new podcasts coming out, as I mentioned. We're also starting up new uh, new live events in the new OGGN uh, uh, regular regular happy hours, which, of course, will be here in Houston. But we may take them to some other places. And this is what we used to do before we stopped doing it. So all that's coming back. You can also get on the mailing list for the website. And just just uh, there's just so much happening. Uh, you got to you got to get plugged in and and hear about it. This is the part where I usually mention our audio wizard, Mr. Emin Fikic, um, in the magical land of Bosnia, who has done a great job of uh, taking care of all of our audio work uh, for so long for um, for OGGN. However, uh, we're growing so much that we've we're, we had to add extra capacity. So today, um, uh, uh, as always, thank you to Emin. But today in particular, we want to thank our brand new audio wizard, Mr. Mac Roman. And he is coming to the rescue with additional capability to get all this stuff done so that we can get it um, from has to go from from this little conversation on the microphone right here all, all through a whole bunch of stuff to get to to the podcast platform so you can hear it. So thanks to those guys. And now, as always, the next thing that you hear will be Savannah, who will tell you about our upcoming events. Hey, everybody. It's Savannah from OGGN, and here are the events on deck for May 2021. This month, we have four events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our online events newsletter. We send it out every month, and it includes more info about the events I talk about here. We even include events that occur two months ahead of time, so if you're interested in always staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. First up, we have our in-person event, which is the 20 YPO's Networking Mixer at the Houston Club on May 25th. Next, we have our three online events, the Post-Industrial Summit Series from May 4th to June 22nd, the Data Fabric and Data Ops webinar on May 5th, and the Maritime Career Day hosted by Women Offshore on May 21st. Other than these events, OGGN has a live stream this month titled Identifying and Evaluating Advantaged Oil Projects on May 5th. So make sure to check that out on our Facebook, LinkedIn, or OGGN.com for more information. You can also find more information about that or any of the live streams or events we have coming up also on Facebook, LinkedIn, or OGGN.com. If you have any questions about these events or any of our shows, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for May. I hope you guys have a great month and thanks for tuning in. Check us out next week for another entertaining and yet useful episode of Oil & Gas Tech Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.